Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, familiar verse of Scripture, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, He Has Made Me Something New. Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for new life. Thank you for the change that comes by your spirit. God, I pray today that you would anoint my mouth and mind to say what you'd have me to say. God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the spirit says to us. God, I pray you'd teach us from your word. Lord, we thank you for today. We celebrate you. We celebrate your resurrection. We thank you for this church family. We've gathered together in your name for your glory. And I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. He has made me something new. That right there is enough for you to think about to decide whether or not you're truly saved. If you're truly saved, the Bible says when you get saved, you become different. Say different. If you can't say what I say every July, when I come and I preach my salvation testimony in the middle of July, I bring that little red Bible in here that I was reading when I got saved on July 15, 1981, and I say the, the title of that message is always the same thing. I haven't always been this way. Is there a time in your life where he made you something new? Can you ever remember when you used to be one way, but you changed to be a different way? That's what true salvation is all about. Let's look at our text verse in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore... Now, those of y'all that have been around for a while, you know, anytime you see the word therefore or wherefore, you need to stop and think about what it's there for. Therefore means because of everything that I've said, because of what I've told you. Now, if you're reading a verse and it says therefore, if you're reading verse 17, it says therefore, he's saying what I've told you before, what I'm saying right now. So where would we find what he's talking about? Verse 16, verse 15, verse 14, verse 13, because of everything that he said, he said, if anyone is in Christ, comma, comma. Every time you see punctuation, you ought to pause when reading literature. Take the word in bite-sized pieces so you can digest it and get it down in your spirit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, let's, let's talk like Wednesday night Bible study. Let's talk like we're learning. If the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, what could that be inferring to us? Some are and some ain't. I hope you are not an ain't. Y'all not following me. If anyone is in Christ, some are, some ain't. You got to know for sure, are you an are or are you an ain't? It's better to be an are, amen? I'm in Christ. I thank God for that. I'm not in myself anymore. I used to just be in me. I used to only have me. When I was riding in a car by myself, I used to be by myself. But when I'm riding in a car by myself now, I'm not by myself anymore. I got somebody with me all the time. 
Oh, that don't comfort you? When my children are spending the night with their friends, and I'm in that house by myself, and it starts creaking and making those noises, I'm not by myself anymore. I got a shotgun and a, and a, and a pistol. Well, no, I got the Holy Ghost. Amen? And a shotgun and a pistol. Listen, if you're in Christ, he is a new creature. If you're in Christ, now remember, when the Bible says he or son or man, it's not always talking gender specific. It's usually talking about humans. If, if there's anybody who's really in Christ, then they're a new creature. Okay, so let's, semicolon, we got to pause on the punctuation and understand it. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. So what if you haven't become a new creature? What does that tell you? Bible genius. You're not in Christ. If you're not a new creature, then you are not in Christ. You're still in yourself. You're still just you. You might have something with you. You may have religion. You may have turned over a new leaf. You may have tried to do better. You may have picked up some Christianity habits. But until you become a new creature, until you get changed from the inside out, and that's the difference. That's the difference between church and Christianity. Church tries to change people from the outside. Stop doing this. Stop doing, start doing that. Those are all external things. See, religion is man trying to reach up and grab hold of God. But Christianity is God reaching down and grabbing hold of man. And when God reaches down and grabs hold of us, he changes us from the inside. Some of y'all wondering why other people have been able to kick addiction. Why other people have been able to break habits. Some of y'all wondering why other people enjoy reading their Bible and saying prayers and coming to consecration and serving the Lord and why it doesn't feel right for you. Listen, if you're a square peg trying to go on a round hole, you need to understand you're not in Christ. Who you calling not in Christ? You! You need to know! Stop pretending you're in Christ when you're not. It's, it's not helping you. I know people that need to get saved for real, but they're worried about, well, what, what, what would they think of me? I already walked the aisle before. I know people that have walked the aisle five, ten times. If it didn't work, do it again. God said that you only find him when you seek for him with your whole heart. But when you get saved for real, you become a whole different person creature you're not the same as you used to be you are different he said that old things pass away if you don't have an old thing the old things passed away this is when you become a new creature old things pass away i ought to sit down my back wouldn't hurt so bad i sit on this step right now and i would go row by row and ask you what has passed away in your life? What did you used to do that you don't do anymore? What old thing left? What, what, when you came to Christ, what change happened in your life? What did you let pass away? And then it says, behold. Behold indicates something you can see. What can I see different in you? What can I see that's changing you? Behold, new things have come. Coming to church ain't new. People been coming to church forever. Don't say, oh, well, it's new, something new in my life. I come to church. Uh, you went to church before. 
People, lost people come to church all the time. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in the garage makes you a car. Okay? You got to have newness. Say new. Christianity is about change. Christianity is about a new life. Christianity is about God coming in and abiding with you. All throughout the New Testament, we read about this concept of putting off the old and putting on the new. This morning, everybody in this room, thank God, put on some clothes. I told y'all, I don't, I don't care. You don't have to wear a suit. You don't have you wear a suit. You, you, I mean, look at this couple right here. I mean, just, just dress, oh, this beautiful, you know, published author, world-renowned chef. Uh, you, you, everybody can't run it like that, okay? Miss Irene, come dress tonight. That's fine. Come, come dress the, as best as you want to. I tell you all the time, you come, you come in uh, flip-flops and shorts if you want to. I, I don't care what you wear as long as you wear don't come naked. Everybody put on some clothes today. You put on, hopefully, something new. That might be 10 years old, but it was new out the dryer. Amen? Y'all already forgot. I ain't going to mess with it. You put on something. And this is the same way that every day, every hour, every minute, every second, you have to keep your mind focused. Put on the new. Put on the new. Put on the put off the old. Put on the new. When I go home today to lay down and take a nap, I am going to take this off. You got to learn how to put it on and take it off. If you're saved, you can take off the old man. If you are not saved, you are stuck with you. You got nothing new to put on because you don't have the new man in you. You got to have some things pass away and you got to have a new life and you got to learn how to put the new man on. In verse 18, the scripture says, now all these things are from God. The apostle Paul is writing to Christians at Corinth and he wants them to know that all these things are from God. He's saying, what I'm writing to you is from God. This is not human perspective. This is not one man's theory. This is not an isolated view. These things are from God. We need to understand when we read the Bible, the Bible is from God. I'm over here. The Bible is from God. Every word in the Bible is from God. When you read the Bible, you need to read the Bible and approach the Bible with reverence. You need to read the Bible and approach the Bible with understanding that this is a living word. This is a powerful book, and it is from God. He's letting these people know, you don't argue with me. Uh, if you want to argue, argue with God, but you'll lose that argument. These things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I, you, you see those two words in there, reconciled and reconciliation. God reconciled us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to get that this morning. This is for Christians. This is for anyone. If you're really in Christ, then God reconciled you to himself through Christ. Now, that word reconciled in the Greek means change. You, it, it, I don't carry change. Anybody got change? Anybody, you, anybody got change? I don't want it, but do you have any change on you? When people talk about, do, what, what does that word you, you got a quarter, three pennies, and a nickel in your pocket. You got change, right? Change what? 
What is that change? Why do they call that change? You never even thought about that. Why do they call those coins in your pocket change? They call it change because it used to be dollars, but now it's something different. It's changed. Its original intent was to be hundreds. Amen? Benjamins. It, it, it turned into nickels. It changed, but not for the better. See, I, I, I got two sons. One of them picks up pennies. The other walks over dimes. And, and, and one picking up pennies knows, because his daddy taught him, that pennies add up to dollars. Dollars add up to Benjamins. Benjamins add up to Lamborghinis. The other one walks over dimes because, like, you know, he, he, in his mind, he, he, he's a boss and he don't bend over for dimes. <laughs> but that in your pocket is change. And this is the word that God chose to speak to us. God changed us so that we could come to him and he's given us the ministry of change. He should have changed you. If you're a Christian, you've been changed. Can anybody agree? Your, your mind has been changed. Your outlook has been changed. And your eternal destination has been changed. It used to be one way. Now it's been made another way. This word originally in the Greek signified the money changers that were so prevalent in first century living. You would have to go and exchange money, foreign currency, for the currency that you could use to spend there specifically in the temple according to the scripture. But you had to go to somebody to get the right change. If you go to an arcade and you want to play some video games in the arcade, you can't put a $100 bill. They, they would like you to, but it, it would just kick it back out. You got to go to the right place and you got to have somebody change what you have into something that can be used. My question to you this morning, has God changed you from what you were into something that he can use? They would go to the money changers and they would know the money that they had from Egypt could not be spent in a Jewish temple. So they had to give the money to the person who could create it, change, and give them back what they needed so it could be useful. I'm going to tell you something. The only person that can create the change in your life to cause you to be useful to God is Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says that God reconciled. He changed us. He, he made us into something different through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I can remember when I first got saved. God changed me. He changed me drastically. Old things passed away. I mean, my whole life was different. It was, it was crazy. I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off me. I, I felt like the sky was more beautiful. I, I, I became a completely different person. And as my sister saw that, she wondered. And she asked me one day, what is going on with you? What, what, what has happened to you? And, and I told her, I, I got saved. God has changed my life. And she's like, well, we got saved when we were kids. I'm like, that nah, wasn't salvation. I got, and then she ended up getting saved. And we're living in a house. We got our little brother and my mom. And we go tag teaming on my mom because we wanted her to guess what? Get saved and or change. We wanted her to be born again. We wanted her 
to change the life that she had for something that God could use. Here's what most people do. They try to change themselves. They try to create change on their own. They try to add stuff to their life. Church, maybe a little Bible study, maybe toss a dollar in the bucket. Listen, if all you have is coins and you want to give coins, thank God. Please be mindful of the people counting. Uh, don't, don't, don't bring no bucket of $30 in change up here. Amen? Take, take that to the, to the bank, have them give you some paper to make it easier on them. But we wanted to see our mother get changed. She couldn't change on her own. She had to go to the life changer. Just like when people came from Egypt to Jerusalem, they had to go to the man, the money changer, who could take their money and make it something useful in that world. My mom didn't need to go to church. My mom didn't need to work the nursery. My mom didn't, learn to, didn't need to learn how to pay tithes and offerings. All that would come later. What she needed to do was go to the man who could change her life into something that God could use. And God gave us this ministry. So my sister and I, we were all, we were all out. We were on warpath. We were on straight attack. We, we were on, you got to get saved. And my mom was like, I took you out of church when you were little. Y'all can't tell me I'm a Christian. If anybody in this house is a Christian, it's me. I'm thinking, uh, no. If anybody ain't a Christian, it's you. And by and by, as my mother saw real change in me, and as my mother saw real change in my sister, she came one day, and she gave her heart to the Lord. She went to the man, and she changed. She, she gave him what she had, and he gave her what she needed. I wonder, have you given God what you have so you can get what you need? If you have, if you've gone to the changer of souls, and you've gotten the heart that God can use, now the scripture says God has given you the ministry to be a changer. You got to go out and you got to help people get to the heart changer. You got to go and you got to bring people to the one place that they can get reconciled to God. I wonder if I went row by row right now and I asked every person in this room, have you brought anybody to the heart changer? Who's going to be in heaven based on your testimony? Who's going to be in heaven because they saw something in you that made them want to have what you have? Who's going to be in heaven because you prayed with them and brought them into a clear understanding of Jesus? Well, that's the pastor's job. No, that's us. He gave us. Say us. You know we look at principles on how to understand the Bible. We want to have proper hermeneutics at Abundant Life. We want to understand what the Bible is really saying. And typically when the Bible says we and us, it's talking about who? When it talks that they and them, it's talking about who? Okay, so it's talking, it says us, so it's talking about Christians. All He didn't say that he, he gave pastors the ministry of reconciliation. He didn't say he gave apostles the ministry of reconciliation. He's talking to a group of Christians. He includes himself and everyone that's saved who's been changed. And he says he gave us the ministry of of reconciliation. You ought to tell if somebody asks you what you do for a living, you ought to tell them reconciliation. What do you do? I used to, when I've been bivocational my whole life. 30 years in ministry, I've been bivocational the whole time, always had a job outside the church. 
And when I was running my lawn maintenance company, people would ask me, what do you do? I go to church. They say, what do you do for a living? And I tell them, I serve God for a living. I cut grass to pay the bills. And that ought to be your testimony. You serve God for a living. You do whatever you do to get the money to pay the bills. But every one of us, if you claim Christ, if you claim that you've been changed, if you went to the the heart changer and you became something that God could use, now you have a ministry of reconciliation. you got to go out and you got to take other people to the heart changer and you got to get them changed. Verse 19, after saying he gave us a ministry of reconciliation, namely, or specifically, he's going he's to say exactly what it is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Let's look at it. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus came, he said of himself in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 10, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to bring lost people back to God. He came to reconcile the world to his Father. And he said clearly that no one can come to the Father except through him. Don't believe that these other religions are going to get people to heaven. Don't believe that all roads lead to heaven. Don't believe that anybody who's not following Jesus is going to be in heaven because they're a good person or because they help little children. Jesus said the only way to get to the Father is through him. Do you believe that? The Bible says that God was in Jesus. Changing the world, reconciling the world, bringing the world to him as something useful. Check this out. Not counting their trespasses against them. You go to the money changer table. You take them some Egyptian currency. They change it into some Jewish currency, so now it's usable in the temple. You go and you hand them something, and they look at it, and they say, I can't use that. Some currency they've never seen. Something that's damaged, something that's destroyed, something they say, no. Listen, if it weren't for Jesus and we tried to come to God ourselves, picture this. How many of y'all know we're all sinners? We're all wretched and vile. And the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. If we came to God and said, hey, I'm offering me to you, (laughs) what kind of exchange is that? That ain't no fair exchange. But listen to what God did. He saw us through the eyes of love and through the eyes of mercy. And he accepted Christ's sacrifice to make us something better than we are. And he did not count our trespasses against us. If you're in Christ, your sins don't count against you anymore. All right? Before you get too happy. If you're not in Christ, guess what? Your sins are counting against you. Against you. They're counting against you. And when you stand before God on judgment day, you are going to have sins that count against you. And God is too pure to look on sin. God doesn't, all sin has to be punished. If God sees sin in you on judgment day, it has to be punished. The Bible says that the payment for sin is death. Well, what did Jesus do on the cross? He died. You can either accept the death that Jesus died on the cross as payment for your sin, or you can let your sin count against you. I thank God that through Christ my sin is not counting against me, and he has erased my record. If you're in that crowd, if you're in that crowd that believes that Jesus wasn't just a man, but he was God bringing the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, 
then you've got to understand it goes on, it says and. When the Bible has a long run-on sentence like this and it says and, guess what and means? There's more. There's more. Here's the more. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Say word. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What did he say in the last sentence that we, that we had uh, to do with reconciliation? Anybody remember the, what he said? The ministry of reconciliation. Now he says he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Why does he say ministry then and word now? Because verse 19, he's saying namely or explicitly or in more specific terms, this is what he was saying. And that ministry of reconciliation has to be done through words. Words. God spoke the world into existence. There's power in words. And you have the ministry of reconciliation that comes through the words that you speak. If all we had this week to show the world Jesus Christ were the words that came out of your mouth, would anybody come to Jesus? If we just put you on screen all week long when you thought nobody was looking, and we just played the words that you said out of your mouth, would that point anybody to Jesus? You see, the scripture says that God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. The Bible says that it's the word of God that pierces right down to the heart of the matter. You need to be mindful of your words. You need to take thought. What did the psalmist say? Let, let, let my thoughts, the thoughts of my mind and the words of my mouth be acceptable unto you, O Lord. How are the words of your mouth lately? You have, I have, we who have been changed, we who are in Christ, we who are went to the only table of Jesus Christ where we could get that exchange that would make us acceptable unto God, we have been given a ministry by God to go out and to speak his word to the world. You say, well, I just think they can watch my life and know I'm a Christian. Well, to that, I say, because <laughs> really, your life, how, how close are they going to see God in the average person's life? You say, well, what about you, Pastor? I'm just sinful as you are. I got issues just like you do. But when we repent, when we are walking in the fullness of God, we need to be saying words that bring glory to God. We need to say words that will bring people to understand who God is. I, I believe it with all my heart. I believe the reason why most people won't go to church is because they've been to church. And they didn't like it. I believe the reason why most people won't go to church, a different reason, is because they've been around church folk. And they didn't see anything that they wanted. We need to get changed for real. We need to become new creatures for real. We need to put off the old and put on the new. So when we go out into society, they just don't see us. They see representatives of Christ. They see changed people. They see people that speak love, that speak grace, that speak mercy, that speak forgiveness, that speak change, that speak reconciliation, that speak resurrection, that speak life, that speak holiness, that speak 
God. Everywhere you go, God ought to be in your mouth. Jesus ought to be in your mouth. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that if you really want to praise him, praise is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. When's the last time you just said, thank you, Jesus? I already told you, you better catch Sister Mabel's spirit. Sister Mabel knew. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you. I know a lot of people run from Sister Mabel. But some of us need to get that spirit where we can at least open our mouth and say, thank you, Jesus. You ought to wake up with thank you, Jesus, in your mouth. You ought to lay down with thank you, Jesus, in your mouth. You ought to go through your day. You, you need to develop. See, people have catchphrases. People have fillers. I don't like to listen to a lot of preaching because it'd be like Elder Jimmy watching somebody put up a fence. He'd be wanting to go over there and help them and, 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 and show them. what Preachers have fill-in. I try not to have a lot of fill-ins. I, if you watch a preacher, he says stuff when he doesn't know what to say next or when he's stumbling over his words. One of my best friends, our first missionary in this church, Pastor Bill Schwartz, he's an apostle to Europe, and he's got his flag back there. And when Big Bill, 360-pound, big old white dude, uh, just huge, and loves the Lord, he's so funny. He weighed 100 and. 75 pounds when he got married, and he tells, he tells every time he preaches, he says, my wife's illegitimately married to two-thirds of me. Because she didn't sign up for the other 200 pounds. But every time Bill preaches, he, has, he says the same phrase at least 50 times. When he gets stuck, any, anybody ever heard him know what he say? Jake knows what he, Come on, somebody. At the end of every sentence, come on, somebody. In between his points, when he can't figure out where, where, come on, somebody. He says that. And preachers, I wish, pre- preachers say feeling stuff. They say, I, ain't, I wish somebody was helping me. Y'all ain't hearing me. The worst feeling that people have, they say, uh, and um, uh. Uh, Jesus died on the cross and, uh, um, uh. I can't listen to preachers that and, uh, um, uh. Because that just drives me crazy. You need to learn how to be a professional speaker and say words and not filler. But we need to have a different filler in our mouth. Some people use blasphemy as fillers. And you need to eradicate that from your speech pattern. Oh, God. That's blasphemy. Oh, God. That's blasphemy. That's using God's name. In a negative way. That's invoking God into your patheticness. That is not how we use the name of God as people who are in love with him. If somebody said that about your child, oh, Billy. What you saying about my boy? Get your mouth off my family. I don't know you. Get your, have have my family in your mouth again. We would be upset. Oh, God. Stop saying that. Some of y'all use blasphemy as your filler. Jeez. Jeez what? That's just short for Jesus, and you just said that in a bad way. I got this one dude I went to Bible college with. 
And his filler was cheese and rice. What'd you say? Cheese and rice? You're just trying to say Jesus Christ in a bad way? Cheese and rice. What is your filler? What, what, is it, what is it you say that just automatically, Bill don't know, he says, come on somebody. Stovall Weems, pastor of the largest church in this city, he can't say three sentences without saying um and uh, um. Listen to him. And uh, um, uh, and, uh, and um, we're going to have fellowship and uh, we're going to have lots of and, um, uh, fun and uh, filler. You have one too. But what it needs to be is thank you, Jesus. You need to put thank you, Jesus, in your mouth. You need to get, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Get that out of your mouth. That's blasphemy. You need to get thank you, Jesus. Say it out loud. Say it in school. Say it in school till they kick you out. Say it in school till they kick you out. I homeschool you. Say it. I'll pay somebody to homeschool you. Listen. <laughs> yeah, I told you I got to tell the truth. Say it on your job. Say it in your house. When's the last time God heard you say, thank you, Jesus? We believed that we wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for Jesus. We believed that we wouldn't have access to the Father if it wasn't for Jesus. God has given us the word of reconciliation. you got to take these words off this book and get them into your world. And you need to decide what type of job you're doing with that. Verse 20 says, therefore. What's therefore mean? Because everything you just said. We are ambassadors for Christ, comma. Oh, got another job. We got ministry. We got, we, we, we've been ministered to. We got changed. Now we got to minister to people so they can change. Not only do we have ministry, which is purpose for our life, now we have an assignment. And we have a title. We are, when the Bible says we, who's talking to? Christians. We, Christians, are ambassadors for Christ. He didn't say we apostles are ambassadors for Christ. He said we, broad sense of the word, all Christians are ambassadors for Christ. He didn't say Christians who read their Bible every day are ambassadors for Christ. He said all Christians are ambassadors for Christ. He didn't say Christians who are fully chased after God are ambassadors. We are all ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean? What does an ambassador do? Represents their leader in a foreign land. Do you get that? Your job is to represent your leader in a foreign land. This world we live in, the Bible says, is not our home. We have, now, some people in the room, uh, how many people in here were, were, well, I don't know, Puerto Rico's not dual citizenship. Where can you get dual citizenship anymore? Is Puerto Rico dual citizenship? It is? Okay. Well, some of y'all had dual citizenship in Puerto Rico and in America. If you was from Guam, you'd have it too. But I don't have dual citizenship in Puerto Rico. We need to pray for Puerto Rico because they've been hurt. We have family in Puerto Rico that don't have lights. And they're saying could be out, out of lights for six to nine months. Don't have clean water. Please, when you say your prayers at night, pray God would bless and have mercy on Puerto Rico. But I don't have dual citizenship in Puerto Rico. Most of y'all don't either. But if you're saved, the Bible says that you have dual citizenship. The Bible says that this world is not our home because we are citizens of heaven. When you get saved, 
you get citizenship in the kingdom of God. And you become an ambassador in this world. So you need to go with a sense of purpose that says, I just can't say the words that come to my mind. I got to say the words that represent my king. I can't just live the way I used to live because now I'm not who I was. I'm somebody new, and I'm representing the person that made me new. I'm his ambassador. You got to be an ambassador to God in your school, on your job, in your home, at the gas pump. The Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. God is making an appeal to the world through Christians. And this is what the appeal is. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You need to be changed so that you can be what God wants you to be. Verse 21 says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the whole gospel. This is the verse that every Christian needs to know. This is the concept that we believe in for new life. He and him. Okay, that's wordy. And you need to know who it is. He is the Father. Him is the Son. God made Jesus who knew no sin. Who is the person that knew no sin? Jesus. Jesus never sinned. If you do not believe that, you cannot be saved. If you do not agree that Jesus Christ was perfect, you cannot be saved. You, well, I prayed to get saved, but I don't believe Jesus. If you don't believe Jesus was perfect, you cannot be saved. Because Jesus can only be an acceptable Savior if he was sinless. Because the scripture declared that Messiah would be without sin. Jesus is the Messiah. He never sinned, but God made this sinless Christ to be sin on our behalf. Wow. The Bible says he took our sin in his own body. On the cross. Every bad thing you've ever done was hanging on Jesus on the cross. Every sin that's ever been committed was hanging on Jesus on the cross. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because when that drink transfer, when that exchange happened, when all of us hung on him, all of our sin, all of our vileness, all of our wickedness hung on him, God looked away and the earth went black. Read the gospel. He became sin on our behalf. Why? You can see this last phrase. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here's the great exchange. You give God your sin. He gives you his righteousness. You give God your life. He'll give you a new life. You give God your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your agenda. And he'll give you new hopes, new dreams, new desires, and new agenda. But you got to believe that his way is better than your way. Or you're just going to stay with you. I hope that you've been changed. I hope that you've had a great change. I hope that you have become all that God wants you to be. I hope that you have went to the changer of lives. See, I can tell you plainly for me, July 15th, 1981, about 3.30 in the morning. I got down on my bed. I got down beside my bed on my knees. West side of Jacksonville. Right up the street from here. And I prayed and I asked God to forgive me of my sins and save me. And he changed my life so completely. That it was incredible. It's so incredible that I can remember exactly where I was. And how it happened. 
If I came and asked you, where were you when it happened to you? And your answer was, well, I'm not sure, Pastor. I've just always been a Christian. Then you're not saved. Because the Bible says that he, he gives power to those that believe in Jesus to become a child of God. I became a child of God on July 15, 1981. When did you become a child of God? When did you get changed? When did you receive ministry as a reconciler and an ambassador? If that hasn't happened to you, stop believing that you're saved and get saved for real. If that hasn't happened to you, all you have to do, here's the, here's the best thing I can tell you. All you have to do is ask God to save you. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, he will save you. If you just ask God to save you, he will save you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to have a big invitation today because we're about to do baptism. I'm not going to have people come to the front and, 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 and we clap for them and, 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 and hug them. But here's what, here's what I want us to do. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes and I want us to pray. Here's the prayer I want, here's the prayer I want you to pray. Because there's two types of people in the room. It's not white and black. It's not rich and poor. It's not male and female. The two types of people I'm talking about are saved and unsaved. And if you're here and you're saved right now, I want you to enter into your ministry of reconciliation by praying right now that God would reveal himself to every unsaved person in this room. I want every Christian to pray right now that God would reveal himself to people who aren't truly saved. And if you're here and you're not truly saved, I don't want you to pray that because you need to pray something for you. You just need to pray and ask God to save you for real. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray with you and for you. The words of this prayer are not magic. There's no magic dust I'm going to sprinkle on you. The words of this prayer will not save you. But if you want to get saved, God will see the intention of your heart and he'll save you. He said, if you'll call on me with your whole heart, He'll save you. If you're here and you're not truly saved, I just want you to bow. As everybody bows their heads and close their eyes. If you want to get saved, I, I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you want to get saved, I want you to bow your head and pray. You pray it silently in your mind. God says he can hear the thoughts in your mind. You pray this. Say, dear God, I believe in you. And I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. Change me. Make me a new creature. Take my life, God, and give me yours. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.